Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Left Foot. Our guest today is keynote speaker and the best-selling author of Predictable Revenue, Aaron Ross. Welcome, Aaron. Hey, Nicole. Glad to be here. Predictable Revenue is called the Sales Bible of Silicon Valley and is recognized globally for reviving outbound prospecting. Aaron's latest book, From Impossible to Inevitable, both supports and build on the predictable revenue messaging. Aaron, I've given our listeners some insight into your role and background. Can you expand on what I've said and give us a glimpse into who you are personally? Sure. You know, because I understand, I know a lot of your listeners are lawyers or in the law industry, and I'm someone that most of my life, I didn't really want to sell. Uh, I've learned how important it is, and I want to help other people understand how important it is and how to learn how to sell, but in, in honest and friendly ways. You're, you're absolutely right. The majority of our listeners are lawyers, and I can say what I hear most from the lawyers I work with is they never expected to have to sell and grow their books of business, grow their practice. And most lawyers really embody the phrase, my, my skills are great, the work I do is fantastic, why do I have to sell? You have some great methodologies and ways of selling and creating predictive revenue in the books you've co-authored. Can you give us some insight into how you would apply those methodologies in professional services? A lot of what I've learned, it's through working either at companies uh, like salesforce.com or with companies like there's one called Acquia, Zenefits. Even if you haven't heard of them, the companies that have gone from you know zero to 100 million or in Salesforce's case, 8 billion, but it's like hyper growth companies. Zenefits is a company that went from $1 million to $100 million in two years in revenue. You're knowing people at these companies, also having known companies which they didn't grow. You know, this new book is all about, you know, again, whether you're in professional services or uh, in software companies, you know, why do some companies or people grow fast and why do some struggle? And so for a professional services company, it's, you know, it's a lot of the same ideas, you know, the principles of how Zenefits went to $100 million in record time. It's the same, you just apply it a bit differently because you got to be a lot simpler when you're one lawyer or a, a few or a couple people or a dozen. Yeah. Can you expand on that? You know, knowing Zenefits and what, you know, how they approach the market, you know, they have a, a defined niche. I mean, would that be your suggested approach that, you know, a law firm should really look at, you know, what is their niche? What is their specialty or... Is it broader than that? You know, the first part of the book and the first place I begin with is um, this idea of nailing a niche. You know, the book, there's these seven painful truths and seven parts. And the first one, you know, you want to grow faster, but you're struggling. And a lot of the struggle is because, you know, this painful truth is you're just, you're not ready to grow. And that's why you're not growing. Because most of the time, you're just not ready. And to be able to be ready to grow, to be in a position to grow faster, you have to nail a niche. And what that means is uh, understanding how you know what are the kinds of companies that need me not with where you're nice to have but where do they need you where you're different than everyone else and you sort of have this connection between the you understand the pains they feel what they want to buy and how you can communicate with them in a way that they understand that you can do it right and most of the time the easiest way to get ready to grow is by narrowing uh your focus right it's a niche which is not about thinking small but about being focused like going back and what are the kinds of customers where you had the biggest impact 
they, they needed you the most and you had the biggest, you know, the most, um, sort of the highest billings for that project for that customer. And there's a lot of reasons why people, uh, whether it's tech companies or lawyers, anyone, or even individuals don't do this. And the most common reason is because they're afraid of missing out on opportunities. Well, what if I just focused on media companies in Los Angeles? Like what, there's so many other media companies around the country or world that I could help. But when you try to serve everyone that way, you know, no one really doesn't really connect with anybody. So no one gets interested. You know, it's a really great point. That idea, though, is once you focus, you can become really this the specialist in that area. And I, I do think there are a lot of lawyers, and that's where a lot of the business is going today, that are really approaching the market using a specialty. That said, you know, these professionals, they have a lot of work to do, and, and most of them work in a billable hours type of environment. Is there any advice you would give to that lawyer who really just says, is there any kind of shortcut? If you're a firm or individual where pretty much all your growth, either clients or jobs, has come through networking or word of mouth, to learn how to go from just getting opportunities or customers through word of mouth uh, or networks in some way to actually being able to generate them through either some kind of outbound sell, you know, I don't want to say selling, but outbound client development or, you know, call it like marketing based, some sort of marketing projects where in other words, to get customers from sources or people who they've never heard of you before. Like it's a big, it's, it's a, it can be a big learning. It's called a learning gap between where you are today and to get there. So no, there's no magic bullet. There, no, like there really is no magic bullet. But what I can tell you is that it's possible to do it if you first don't, if you're realistic about what it takes, and it probably takes a couple of years. Also, I have nine going on 12 kids. Five years ago, I had no kid. I wasn't married. In five years, you know, grew my income 11 times. Not my business revenue, but just personal income. So it's getting close to a million dollars last year. I had, you know, going from zero to 12 kids. This whole other book, I think, Hyperscaling a Family. And I still keep my work week to 25-ish hours. It's sometimes 30, sometimes more. But so anytime someone says, you know, someone says, I don't have time, I don't have energy. It's like, no, you don't. You don't have time or energy. But the time and energy, if you really want to grow, those are luxuries. And there are ways to figure this out. You know, and I think that there's a there's a great points because you're right, and I've I'm a big fan. I read a read a lot of books, and we talk about the people that are very successful, Elon Musk and and others that are running many businesses, right? And they are finding the time. They have the same 24 hours we ha- we do. But they're they're mutants. So, Aaron, you briefly talked about something that you know when I read it, I it definitely resonated for me, and it was this whole idea of you know you're truly doing something different when you're getting unaffiliated customers, customers that are not in your network, customers that are cold because they're either finding you because they have a need in your niche um, or they're, you know, you've contacted them because you've you've determined that they have a need in your niche and you can service them and differentiate. I think that's a huge factor because that is, you know, it's interesting when I hired salespeople and I would say things like, you know, they would say, I have a great network and I would say, great. So what happens when it runs out? Right. What, what happens the day you've called everyone, right? So you need to be able to build your business with those unaffiliated customers to get that cold business. I think that's critical 
if you're a lawyer, you know, what, in your opinion, does that look like? It's, no, it's true. It's just that, that gap around getting business from people, some kind of, some kind of network word of mouth is, can be very different than, like I said, finding companies who'd never heard of you or your firm, but being able to get them and sign them up. So I think, uh, you know, in terms of actually ways to generate leads uh, or prospects or whatever the label is that you feel comfortable with, what's worked for me with a call a forcing function. And the principle is pretty simple. If you want to get into shape, do you A, join a gym, or B, do you sign up for a, you know, a marathon and then tell all your friends you're doing the marathon? I would do B. Yep. You're like, you can't hide because you told everyone. So the same principle, but commit. Uh, it's hard for people the first time, but if you, you know, say, all right, within the next three weeks, pick a date. And this is just one example of a forcing function because there's different types. But this is the simplest one that I think can really work for people. Pick a date, you know, Thursday night or Thursday morning breakfast. Okay, that's the date you're going to have an event. Could be blog post, could be podcast. Even better if it's some kind of live event with people. It could be breakfast with two people. It could be an evening with ten. Some kind. Of, it could be drinks. It could be a webinar. The only rule is if it's with live people, you have to have more than you and one other person. There has to be at least you plus two people. And you, you first you pick the date, and then once it's on the calendar, you tell some people, "Hey, I'm going to do an event on this date." You don't have to have a title, you know. Just but the fact that you've told people you're going to do an event means now you're like, "Okay, I got to pick a title, and I got to find a place, and then I got to figure who to invite, and what am I going to? What are we going to do?" So it's a forcing function that forces you to get out of your comfort zone, to cut through the clutter of your busy days. And when you have no energy, like how do you do it in no time? Um, and to make progress. Because when you do this and you do it again, frankly, you got to do it again and again and again, you get clearer and clearer around who should you invite, what do they care about, what do you want to talk about. And if you, when, you, when you sign up a client, why did they want you? What was interesting to you about to them? And you do this enough times and you get much, much, much more clear on sort of like that niche and how to find and sign up these people who don't really know you from before. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I think that whole idea of forcing it through publicizing it and really just starting, frankly, I think that's a big part of it, right? You got to start. Like, There's a lot of overachievers here that don't have a problem with motivation and but there's a lot of people, and I'm actually funny enough. One of them, you wouldn't look at my bio and think so, but I have to get out of my own way. I use deadline, public deadlines as a way so I can't hide from growing and doing things that are, frankly, can be very anxiety creating. Like whether it's we're adopting we basically within the last between last April to this April, we're adopting and we adopted like six or seven kids. In, the, in less than a year. So as much as we love kids, yeah, there's a lot of, there can be a lot of excitement and like, okay, how are we going to do this? But that's a different forcing function around committing to contracts and paying fees. And then you're like, okay, we're in, we're doing it. There's only one way forward and that's just to keep going. And especially in that particular example, right? Because they're, they're there and they need support and they need everything that goes along with it. Right. So it's, it's right there. So great point of transition. When I talk to law firms and, you know, as I started working with the lawyers I work with, uh, something really, uh, created quite a, 
uh, an eye-opening conversation for me. Every time I talk to a lawyer or a law firm practice lead or the head of a firm, and I ask the question, you know, what is your win rate or how often do you not secure a piece of business you go after? They just looked at me and said, oh, we never lose. They just haven't selected us yet. That's just the way they they interpret this, right? So my encouragement is always, well, then you don't know why they haven't selected you. They haven't told you no, so you can't say, well, why aren't you going to work with us? So yeah, you know, appreciating, you know, a no is useful. You know, yet any kind of decision helps. Where people really get stuck is when you're in this no man's land of we're not sure. And then you just spin your wheels. Any things or any best practices you've seen in your work, you know, helping them kind of get through that process and and really use that to their advantage? Um, no, there's actually a section in the From Impossible to Inevitable book, Pipeline Honesty. It basically just means when you've got this list of potential clients who haven't signed up. If you're not totally honest with yourself about sort of where they are, people call it happy years. Um, other people might call it like reality, reality distortion, but it's very easy to look at this list of here's all these clients. Like some of them are going to sign up and they call it, you know, use hope as a strategy. So it's, I think it's hard for people in any industry to, uh, not only as a, as a lawyer, but also as a client to be really brutally honest about where we are. You know, a lawyer, you know, this also could apply to lawyers internally on a career track. You know, it's not just for firms, it's sort of both. But, all right, Mr. Prospect or client, are you ready to begin? And, you know, clients, people hate to say no to other people. Most people, there's always exceptions. Most people don't like to say no because they don't like to be rejected. So they don't want to reject you. And what, so what they'll say is, you know, we're not ready or we're thinking about it, we're evaluating it. Sometimes, of course, it's just not the right time. But just as often or more often, either they're confused, they're not sure, they don't want to say no. Either they don't know themselves or they don't want to tell you no. So um, probably the best way to do this is to come up with friendlier questions to, to make it easier for both parties to be more honest with each other and not feel like I'm selling you and someone else doesn't want to say no. So I'll give you an example. Uh, rather than some kind of question like, uh, are you ready to sign up? Or are, are you ready to sign the, the uh, fee agreement? Which is not a bad question, but a, a different way you could say, hey, what, are, what would be the steps involved to get to the point where we're signing the agreement on your side? So you're sort of doing two things. It's not, it's a little more of an investigative question. Are you finding about the process they have to go through rather than, being, you know, potentially a little more direct, which can be work for some people. Like, and you're in New York, you know, where's the money? Great, that works. Other places, you might be a little, need a little softer touch. And so come up with friendlier questions that give you more insight into the process they're going through. And also feels less salesy to both parties can make it easier to get to the brutal, to painful truth. You know, Aaron, that's interesting. I worked in London in a professional services company, and I made the suggestion to consultants I was working with, most of whom were actuaries. I said, it'd be helpful when you're working with clients, if you could ask them who else they're talking to for a particular project. And the response I got was, we could never do that. 
And of course, I said, well, just ask them nicely. Great point. I think, you know, if they ask in a way that is more friendly and more open and letting the client know that they want to know the answer, whether it's positive or negative so that they can, you know, make adjustments. I think that's very helpful. Yeah, you know, that's true. So you you made this statement earlier and it definitely, you know, I have read it in your writing that it really does take time to gain traction when you're trying to grow a business, uh, whether that's, you know, through hopefully a combination of inbound, looking for inbound through writing content, uh, doing actual outbound selling and traditional selling, you know, going on site, making direct sales calls. Uh, You've stated two years is about the time to gain traction, which for many salespeople, when they start new sales jobs, um, I don't think they feel like they have two years to get that traction. But can you comment a little bit on why you selected that timeline? And um, if you would, you know, for the professionals that we're working with, you know, that are looking to both sell and deliver, um, you know, how would you adjust that timeline? Yeah. Well, let me start where that, explain where that comes from first so that, um, you know, if you have a starting a a software company, a SaaS, like a business to business SaaS business software as a service company, like salesforce.com is one. There's a lot of them. Uh, you know, actually a customer of mine, a client of mine was Clio which services a lot of law firms, right? They do practice management, right? That's a SaaS company. You know, uh, I have a co-author on the new book, the From Impossible book. His name is Jason Lemkin. He started a company called EchoSign, sold it for more than $100 billion to Adobe. And advise, he's a venture capitalist. He advises tons of companies. And so together we sort of feel like, all right, we've, we've tried this kind of market. We tried this market and you know, this didn't really work out. Okay, now we've got something and we feel like there's really something here that's ready to grow. That can be a couple years easy, even longer, sometimes shorter, longer. So it's different than, of course, if in, in a career track. I actually don't know much about the timeframes for career tracks, but if you're a, a firm and smaller, actually, whether you're small or large, it's probably not unfair to assume that any kind of new project in terms of growing business, whether it's a new kind of marketing, like if you start to blog uh, or do webinars events or whether you start to actually do business development if you're in sort of more of a corporate side you know, reaching out to companies it's probably not un- unfair to expect it to take a couple years not to get results but have tried enough things and seen um, some projects fail like you say webinars you do webinars and you do a bunch you get nothing you learn a lot and then you do you're like okay these didn't work so let's do some different types and you you know, so go through that that learning process where you're trying stuff, you're falling down, and to get to the point where it's really working, it's generating business in some kind of consistent way, reliable way. And it could be a couple of years, but the the painful truth here, and there's a whole section in the book on this called Part Five. It's called Do the Time. But the painful truth is, you know, any of these big goals that you want, and I'd say like significantly growing the business or significantly growing your career, it's going to take years longer than you want. That, that's a safe assumption. You see all these stories about 90 days to this and 30 days to that. Mm, no, nah. no, nah, it's pretty much all bullshit. 
<laughs> I have to agree with you. And and having been a sales leader, you know, where we had large targets, I mean, it took a few years to get rolling. And then, you know, I love the fact that in some companies I was able to enjoy our success maybe for a year before they gave us that next, you know, incredibly large target, right. That uh, required our next, uh, you know, formation of our organization to get to that target. Uh, I will tell you in most law firms, they, uh, the expectation is that a partner make progress towards uh, bringing in business and that they show activity. So I think they, you know, there is that benefit that, you know, they have established rainmakers. It's just, you know, for most partners, they feel that their careers will uh, progress more quickly and their ability to influence the business that as a partner they're an owner in, right? Their ability to influence that business and, you know, really does require that they are a, a partner that is growing the business. So these are all skills that they are definitely being asked to take on. You know, in your work, has there been anything that you've seen that is unique to that group? Or in your opinion, is it really more like other business to business businesses than uh, it might appear. You're dead on right that if you want to be a, a partner, a significant partner in any firm or start your own, you need to know how to develop your own business. Doing great work is not enough. Who, I mean, most lawyers do great work. Yeah, there's always going to be the percentage that are, are crummy, right? But, you know, really, I, I, you know, I know a bunch of lawyers say they all do great work. You know, for me, most of the ways they stand out with is their specialty, right? So it's sort of understanding just doing great work is not enough. There's skills you can learn. It's not magic. It's like learning the guitar. It takes practice. You got you to gotta want it. You got to put the time in, find reasons to do it. Might as well sign yourself up for a recital at some point, like a performance. Then you've got motivation to do it. So the same thing here. So it's like if you want to do it, if you can figure out how to get out of your own way, and not and not hide, uh, and probably the hardest part is to do, you know, whatever you're doing, whether it's like I said, webinars, or if you're blogging or writing a book or prospecting or events, you have to do it over and over and over and over again. Basically, it takes as long as it takes until it works. There's no, it's not in two years or one year or seven years. It takes as long as it takes, and you have to keep doing it. And you're gonna feel like a failure sometimes. You probably already do many days. That's part of what you're doing. Anytime you do something new, by definition, you won't have those skills. And I know a lot of new lawyers are super smart. You're used to doing things well from the beginning. You have to learn how to be okay with frustration. You have to learn how to be okay with, you know, basically what you may think is a failure. I guarantee some people listening to this will have, try to hold an event, webinar, breakfast, and zero people will show. Right? So my, this happens, I've had this happen to many people I know. You know, but do you quit or do you say, oh, I can learn something, try again, try something different. Like it's that determination and the grit. Again, even if you don't have an extra time or energy that will separate the people here who double or triple or 10 times their business and income versus the ones that stay the same or maybe grow by 5% a year. You know, Aaron, I think this is a really interesting point and it's one I did have a guest last week talk about it and I was so glad to 
hear you say it again, and I think you've said it now twice in, in our time, is this idea of trying different things and experimenting. Because I think, first off, it makes it more interesting to do the work, right? And instead of, you know, looking around and seeing what others have done and trying to duplicate it, but to really experiment with different ways of growing your client base, growing your network, you know, really growing your influence, right. In your particular niche, whether that's speaking or webinars or seminars, but really, you know, experimenting is not just because it failed, just because frankly, I think experimenting just keeps it interesting. Yeah. And you had to remind yourself because after the fourth time you've done something, you know, you tried this, that, the other, and you're like, God, I haven't signed up one client from this, this, I'm failing. This is horrible. You know, it's hard to maintain that mindset, but you have to at least keep going with it because it's going to, you know, chances are there's always some exception, but chances are it's going to take a lot longer than you want. You know, it's, it can be amazing. It's like worth it. Before we, you know, end our session today, I wanted to ask you a question that um, I have not posed to you yet. It's it's one of my favorites. You know, you've had an interesting journey, and of course, having read your story about you know going to Salesforce and really learning about you know this field, you know, what was the most surprising thing to you about either the traditional ways of selling or the most surprising thing that you learned when you started to really you know stretch out and experiment? We all know we've got something really special. Maybe it's very specific, like I've got this book, I've got this business, I've got this thing. Vastly underestimating how much, I don't say skill or like practice or learning it takes to figure out how to take that something special and actually turn it into regular money. It's not like moving, moving from San Francisco to Santa Barbara. It's more like moving from San Francisco to China, where it's a totally alien culture and takes like years and years of you know, and all the, these sort of the, the overnight successes that you see, which basically overnight success does a fairy tale. It's another section of the book. Um, you, you're surrounded by that in blogs and newsletters and because that's what's interesting. That's what people hear about. You got to remember, you know, when you see all these signs of success and you're feeling like, God, everyone else is, is nailing it and I'm struggling. Like, what's my problem? You know, you're doing exact, everyone else is doing the exact same thing. What people share are stories of success. What you're focused on is solving problems. So almost by definition, especially as a lawyer or entrepreneur, 95% of your day is solving my problems, my customers' problems. Um, you can have a mindset around, oh, it's interesting to solve the problem, but you're dealing with problems, not success every day. Keep reminding yourself, you got to do the time, you know, when it doesn't work, when you feel like quitting, that's, everyone goes through that. You got to keep going. Don't quit. Try something different. Try it again. Set, throw another, you know, do another forcing function. Just find ways to keep yourself going. Great points. Anything else before we say goodbye, Aaron? No, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about the new book. I just feel like there's a lot of ideas in there that are not only useful, but really important. Uh, you know, the, this is the From Impossible to Inevitable book. And I heard someone say, another author, every book he's done, he ends up at some point during the process, like crying on the floor, pounding it in frustration. I'm like, yeah. I think that's just part of it. And, you know, probably with your businesses too, there's, if you're not at some point on the floor, sobbing in a corner, pounding the floor, you're probably not pushing yourself hard enough and doing new things, not just hours, but getting out of your comfort zone. It's an excellent point. And I have to say, as an entrepreneur, I feel your pain. <laughs> it's part of the program. Aaron, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you as a guest on Love Foot. Yeah, Nicole, thanks very much. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. Be sure to visit www.leftfoot.net to access show notes, sign up for our weekday series, and embrace what it means to lead with the left foot. 